The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for giving it to us, Lord. These historical records may seem just like words on a page, but there's tremendous meaning within these words, Lord. And through your spirit, we ask that you would come and reveal what you would like to speak to us through these words today, Lord, and through Randall. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Donnie. Good morning. All right. Well, welcome to Grace City this morning, if this is your first time. And uh, as Billy said earlier, uh, we've got water bottles for you out there. And so you can grab a water bottle. A couple weeks ago in our series, Who We Are, we talked about rhythms. And we talked about, you know, one of the a good rhythm, one that's really helped me is just drinking more water. And so I'm like, we don't want to just say something, but not equip you to do that. So we're like, you know what? There's no excuse. We need to give some water bottles out. And so here are the water bottles. They are for you. Grab one. If you have a friend that comes and they're not here today, grab it for them too. Take one with you um, and spread the word. We're drinking more water. Awesome. 2017. Great. So um, welcome to Grace City. And, um, you know, we're, we're finishing up that series, Who We Are. And today, uh, specifically, we think, you know, what? Okay, we just went through that. Now, now what? Now what? Um, and so this is our message on finding your place. Finding your place. I believe that all of us have a place. God has specifically, uniquely made you, designed you to have a place with him. And so what does that look like? We're going to look at Genesis eleven twenty-seven through 12, 4. And I want to hit on a common question that many people ask. It's a question that I've asked myself. And here's the question. Why am I here? What's God's will for my life? Whether you believe in God or not today, uh, we all need purpose. We all need significance. We all need to know that this thing that we're doing matters. And psychiatrist and Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl once wrote in the book 
uh, man's search for meaning back in 1963 this. He says, life is never made unbearable by circumstances, but only by lack of meaning and purpose. Like you could, you could get through difficult things in life, but you have to see that there's meaning behind it. You have to see that there's something at the end of the tunnel that's gonna really get you through. And research backs up what Frankel once said. In 2013, the Association for Psychological Science uh, did a study of 132 nations on meaning in life. And they took the wealthier nations and compared them with the poorer nations. And here's what they found. Meaning in life was higher in poor nations than in wealthy nations. In part, meaning in life was higher in poor nations because people in those nations were more religious. So what that's saying is that People in other countries that don't have as much stuff as we do understand that there has to be more than this. There has to be more than this. You see, a lot of the time what happens for us in wealthier countries is that we get distracted. We think that life is all about now instead of understanding that there's something more to life. See, there's a deeper sense of meaning And today we're going to look at the life of Abram, uh, which his name means father, who eventually becomes Abraham, which means father of many. I heard one pastor say it's the difference between daddy and big daddy. Right, like he, he, his name changes. And so what God does with him is he starts as one person, But when God comes into his life, he's transformed into a completely different person. A person he never could have been on his own. And so the story of Abraham is attractive. Many major world religions are based off of the life of Abraham. And today, as Christians, we look at his life and we say, What is it that makes Abraham so great? What is it that just took over and said, okay, Abraham, you're gonna be Abraham now? It was God's voice. It was God's voice that came in. And it was God's voice that told him, there's something more. There's something more than what you see right now. And so what makes Abraham stand out above the rest? See, because a lot of us would look at the risk that he takes. We say, well, Abraham, he just took such risk in his life. Or he was just really courageous. He's just a man of faith. But the more we study his life, we discover that he wasn't a perfect person. He had his faults. He had his sin. He had his mistakes. And when God's voice came in, he didn't give Abram a detailed plan. He didn't say, well, here's where exactly I want you to go and here's every step of the way. All God did was when he came in, he said, trust me. 
Would you trust me? Trust me. And so we see that as Abram trusted God, the call made him great. It was the call of God that made him great. And it was in that call that he found his place. He found his place. See, a lot of the times we're looking, we're saying, well, what am I supposed to do? But we start to create our own visions and dreams of what we're supposed to do. We create our own reality of saying, okay, that's what I want. But it was the call of God that came in and says, it's not about what you want, it's what I want. It's what God wanted for Abram's life. And then he became great. Do you know your calling? Do you know why you're here? Have you found your place? I was recently listening to a Q talk called On Calling, Ambition, and Surrender, and the person being interviewed is a guy named Pete Richardson. Um, and Pete Richardson is somebody that uh, does life planning, and he's a Christian, but he's done this life planning with over a thousand people. And the interviewer asked him, they said, do you believe that everyone has a calling? And here's what he says. He says, we have to define calling. The way I define it and see it in scripture is calling, and its simplest definition is, what does God want me to do with the talents he has invested in me? So if I look at calling from a very creative perspective, God is the great creator 7.4 billion people and counting, does he, God, have the capacity to invest unique clumps of talent in each person? Yes. Calling is for everyone. It's not just for a few. How many people go to their grave and actually discover it? That's a very few, that's a very small percentage. About four years ago, I had this crisis. I had been doing youth ministry for, to that point, about six years. And I was thinking, okay, what is my life beyond youth ministry? And I felt something that was stirring in my heart, that I was supposed to do something. I remember sitting on the front row as the senior pastor of the church that I worked at was preaching one week, and it was the story of Abraham. And I was doing announcements that week, and I remember sitting there in all four services and listening to the message, and it was just like God had me there specifically at that moment to hear that message. Because as I sit there, I sat there, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, you're listening to this story of Abraham, but this is going to be you too. You're going to have to go. At that point, I was living in Savannah, Georgia uh, with my wife, and we were pretty comfortable. We bought a house there. Things were pretty good. And I remember struggling and feeling like, okay, well, what does that look like? And then this verse came. It was Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It's this. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. 
And I remember wrestling with this verse, going over it again and again in my mind, thinking, okay, how do I do that? And what it was was simply, it wasn't this perfect straight line. It was a lot of this. And it was a lot of being faithful to today. And then eventually we got the call to come out to San Diego, to a place I'd personally never been. And what that looked like for us which is following God out here and saying, okay, we'll plant a church, even though I don't know what that looks like, and even I, I never planted a church before, and I don't think I'm a church planter. And even today, I look around, and I'm like, it's only, we're only here because of God. That's it. That's it. And so wherever you're coming from today, I want you to know that it's not just me that gets those calls, but it's you. He wants to put that same call on your life. Now, it might, it might not be to plant a church, but it could be just to go to your workplace and be Jesus. That's important. That matters. So how did God's call come to Abraham? Let's look at today's text because this, this text really has helped me in my life and um, I hope it's an encouragement to you today as we journey through finding your place. Um, and so here's the text. Genesis 12, one through four is really where we're gonna focus on. But the background to this text, and it's really important as we read this text, is Genesis 11, 27 through 32. Here's why. It sets us up to really understand what's happening in Genesis 12. A lot of times we skip over because we wanna just read about his calling, but, but it, this all sets it up. This is, this is a transition into Genesis 12, and so here's what's happening. I'm gonna break it down. Humanity was on a downward spiral because of the effects of sin. So you see it from Genesis uh, 1 and then creation and then all the way into Genesis 11 as sin enters the world and, and everything just starts to go on this downward spiral, right? Like you can't clean up sin. It's really messy. And so we see how destructive it is as, as we venture through all the way to the end of Genesis 11. And here's what's happening. All of human history have reached a climax. And this climax led to a huge dilemma because the only ones with the knowledge of the true God at this point are about to die out. So we've got the, the family of Seth, right? And so it's coming through, and so it brings it all the way to this point where, okay, Terah dies, and now Abram is left there, and he's got this huge inheritance coming to him from his father. And, and he's probably heard of God, the God of the Bible, but what we find in these passages is that he, he wasn't worshiping the God of the Bible. And so the human race had hit a spiritual dead end. Spiritual dead end. And, and the, the, this section really wants to build that tension for us to help us to know that there is no way unless God makes a way. 
There's, there's nothing that's going to happen that's good unless God intervenes. Because what happens, verse 31 says, they settled there. Like Abraham was content. He just kind of settled in. He was fine with the way that everything was. He had no deep conviction that things needed to change. See, jo- Joshua 24.2 gives us a, a little bit more background about Abraham's spiritual state. It says, in jo- Joshua 24.2, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, they served other gods. They served other gods. So, so these were not, at this point, they were not God-fearing people. The God of the Bible. See, we take for granted in a lot of ways that uh, monotheistic one God worship. During that time, it was multiple gods, many gods. So this was a little weird or a little strange to say, no, there's, there's only one God. Because at that point, they were worshiping many gods. And humanity, here's the tension, has no hope unless God does something. And it's in desperation that the call comes. You want to know when the call comes into your life? When you're desperate. You say, I've got nothing else. God, if you don't come in, this isn't going to happen. And so God comes in. And as we talk about finding your place, today we'll study the three distinctives of the call that are really going to help us out today of what, when God comes in and how this will lead us to finding our place, okay? So here are the three points for today. Number one, it's relational. Second, it's radical. And third, it's received. Relational, radical, received. So the call of God is, number one, relational. Relational. Okay, look at verse one. Uh, The first part, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram. The Lord said to Abram, Now, Abraham had probably heard of God, but he never heard God. He'd never experienced God. Right, like there's a dividing line here. So even when we're talking about this, like some of us have grown up in church all of our lives. Say, I've I've gone to church, I've done the morality thing, I got my life cleaned up, but, but that's not hearing from God. Hearing from God is something completely different. It's saying, I don't have my life cleaned up. I don't have what it takes. I need someone from the outside to come in, to speak to me, to help me, to guide my life. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship, a relationship with the living God because that is how God comes to us. Not through, here's what you gotta do to get your life straight and then I'll come in and and have a relationship with you. He says, I will come to you and meet you right where you're at. That's why he sent Jesus, came down from heaven to relate to you and me. I was having a conversation just yesterday with someone and, and he was telling me about his religious backgrounds and I said, you know, the God of the Bible, Christianity, is the only one that came and lived with us. He became 
one of us. You can look at any other world religion that says we derive ourselves from the life of Abraham. We are children of Abraham. You can look at that. The only one that says God became one of us is Christianity. This is unique. And so when we're talking about the call, it, it is relational. Now, what, what do we find out about the God of the Bible? Well, first is that he is one. He is one. He is three in one. Now, how are you going to figure that out? I don't, you can't. But I was, again, I was talking with somebody. I said, you know, isn't it amazing that we have a God that you can't fully understand? That he is just so amazing that you can't put him in a test tube and say, I got him figured out. That's who he is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. We see it in Genesis. We see it in Genesis when it says the Spirit is hovering over the water. We see it in creation. He's all through it. See that Jesus was there at creation. And so we see that we serve a God that is one. And that's unique. And also, we find out about this God that he initiates. He initiates. The Bible tells us that he loved us first. He first loved us. So when we're talking about the God that comes to Abraham, it's a God that initiates. Because what does he say? He says, now the Lord said to Abram, it was the Lord who came in and, and rattled his cage a little bit and says, okay, you got life figured out? You all settled in? Now it's time for the call to come in. And so God is the one that initiated this, and he speaks. He speaks. The Lord said. It's the same God who came and spoke creation into existence. He says, just like I will speak creation into existence, I will speak into you a future that you couldn't have thought up. Like, people from high school look at me and they're like, what happened to him? <laughs> He's a pastor? <laughs> are you serious? I mean, I've, I've ran into people from high school, they're like, what are you doing these days, man? You know, people see you on Facebook and stuff, but here's the thing, like, it wasn't me who chose it, it was God. And it's God who's done it. That's the sign of the call. You become someone that you never could have been. And so the Lord spoke into Abram's life. And he was experiencing the God who is relational. You say, well, how does God do that today? He does it through his word. How many of us neglect reading the Bible? How of us neglect just opening it up and saying, okay, Lord, I need you to speak to me? He does it through prayer. He does it through other spirit-filled believers and even circumstances and times through other people that don't even know him. God is constantly speaking. But here's the thing. He isn't changing his mind about what's said in here. 
There will be people who will tell you, well, God's speaking or God's said this or that and, and there's no scripture to back it up. Or God really changed his mind about this scripture and so this is how we need to interpret that. No. It's here. And so if we want to, here's the thing. When the God of the Bible comes in and he comes in relationship with you, you have to know that he will say things at times that will not sit well with you. That's how you know you're in relationship, right? Like when you're in a relationship, like a real relationship, the other person doesn't always agree with you. But you stick it out and you stay in it and you say, oh, that's a relationship. But what we've done is we say, well, I kind of like it when everybody agrees with me and so we've unfriended everybody that doesn't agree with us. And then you don't have any relationship, like real relationship, right? How many of us go to God's word and we say, I'm gonna unfriend you right now, God, so I'm not gonna go to church today because I don't really agree with that. I'm sorry, that, that, that's not how it works. It comes, he comes to us, he says, here's what the truth is. We wrestle with it. We say, Lord, help me to know your way. Because even in the book of John, John 16 says that the, the spirit will lead you to all truth. He'll lead you to the truth. You wanna know what the truth is? You stick with God long enough, he will lead you to the truth. You don't just get there on your own, but you wrestle with it and you say, Lord, I don't know how to process that. Help me. Help me in my unbelief. Teach me your way. And so God is relational. And the call, when he comes in, he will rattle our cages and say, this is next. That's what I want you to do. So next, it's, it's radical. Radical. Verses one and two, the end of one. Here's what it says. Um, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. This is scary. This is really scary. It says, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house. So what he's saying is this. Go from the place where you're really comfortable right now, where you live, everybody's like you. You kind of know what this is gonna look like. Go from that place. Go from your kindred. So all the people that are like are your family members, Like, I'm calling you to go away from them. And I'm calling you away from your father's house to all the inheritance that you just got where you can really stockpile some stuff. I want you to put that to the side. And what does it say? To the land that I will show you. I will show you. Who's the I? God. He's calling him to do something radical. This go, like in the KJV, King James Version Bible, it actually translates a lot more accurately because here's what it says, get thee out. He says go, but it also get yourself out. You wanna stand there and you wanna be settled where you're at? You go, but you gotta get yourself out. You have to have a moment where you say, I'm gonna step across the line. 
God's giving him this beautiful invitation saying, will you just trust me? Will you step over the line? Will you go? Well, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little concerned. I'm a little scared. I get that. But you have to make a decision at some point in saying, I will go. I will step into this. If you want to receive the calling, you have to have a radical moment where you say, okay, I'm going to go. A commentary on the book of Genesis. Um, there's one commentator that says this. He says, he, Abram, must decide whether to abandon his land in favor of the land Yahweh offers. He must decide whether to abandon what family he still has in, the fa- in, the f- in favor of the family Yahweh promises. Against all logic, he must decide whether to set aside his blessing, his inheritance, for the inheritance Yahweh describes. The initiative offers much, but its cost is significant. John Walton. Costs a lot. The call of God is radical in nature, and it will pull you out of your comfort zone. I got my little comfort zone. I got my little bubble. It's, everything's good. He's going to pull you out of it. But the thing I've learned about getting out of your comfort zone and being stretched, because that's the, the phrase that we've used a lot, me and my wife, as we've gone on the journey of just trusting Jesus. It's like, man, it just feels like we're being stretched right now. You're being stretched so he can pour more of himself into you. That's it. He's stretching you so you can have more of God in your life. And as much as it hurts, it's for a purpose. It's not just to be stretched. God's not like, you know, stretching. You're like, oh, this is fun. Let me see how far I can stretch him. He's saying, no, I'm I'm doing this for a purpose so I can pour more of me into you. You can be more in where I've called you to be. And so the last one is this, it's, it's received, it's received. He says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What is the call? The call that he's receiving, first off, is all about God. It is all about God. This is about God over me. Look at how many times God says, I will. He says, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will Bless those who bless you. Who is he saying, put your life in the hands of God? He's saying, receive me. Receive everything that I have for you. This isn't about you trying to make it happen. If it was about that, if it was about self-will for Abraham, then God would have told him, you need to, you need to, you need to. That's a lot of the ways that we approach God, isn't it? It's like, well, you know, God's just telling me I gotta do this. First starts with trusting him. He says, I'll do this. 
And it's not that you don't take steps because that was what we just talked about, but it's you, t- you take steps in him. You take steps in his strength. And then eventually he'll show you. I felt silly a lot of the times when we were planting Grace City because people were like, well, where are you planting? I don't know. How are you gonna do it? I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and there are moments where, where you're gonna have that, where you don't have the exact plan. And people are gonna be like, man, they seem a little silly. But by God's grace, he puts in things to help along the way that you look back on and you say, man, that's a grace of God on my life. It's a grace of God that these people helped me with this or that or put all this structure together and all these other things. There's so many people that are behind Grace City Church. Right? It wasn't me or anything. It was just all of us just following God's calling, finding our place. And the same thing he wants to do through you. It's received. And it's all about God. See, this is where the idea of purpose starts. God. God. It's him. The second part about the call is, is when we look at it is this. It's received, not earned. The call that came into Abraham's life is purely an act of grace. Purely an act of grace. Wasn't something that he worked hard for and said, you know what, I got all my ducks in a row. I got my life straightened out. He was worshiping idols. He had settled. He was not on the right path, per se. He didn't get himself all cleaned up and then come to church. He was far off. But then God says, I'm gonna call you. When God's call came in, he had to have a moment where he says, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything to earn this. You see, that's what happens in your life and my life when God comes in. We're just overwhelmed and saying, man, I, I thought this, but I was wrong. And he just kindly and gently and graciously takes you on a different path and says, I love you. I have something more for you. See, ultimately, how was Abraham able to embrace this call? How was he able to say, you know what, I'm gonna do this? Well, Galatians 3.8 in the New Testament gives us some insight into it. It says this in Galatians 3.8, in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. A lot of the times we get wrapped up in, how's this gonna happen? And what we find here is that God came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, and it says he preached the gospel to him. You know who the best preacher of the gospel is? God. God is the best preacher of the gospel. 
He communicates it better than any preacher you could ever hear. And it says that he came to Abraham and told him the good news. Galatians 3, 13 through 14 tells us what that is. It says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. See, ultimately, who's he talking about when he's saying, I will bless you and make you a great nation, but whoever dishonors you, I will curse? Do you know that all of us deserve the curse? All of us do. All of us have wronged God. All of us have turned aside from him. All of us have said, God, I don't want you in my life. I'm gonna create my own purpose. All of us have. But instead of cursing us, he cursed his son. That's the gospel. Later, we see Abraham, and he says, how's this gonna work? And God showed him visually how it's gonna work. He says, if I don't come through with my promise, you can tear me to pieces. And then what happens? Well, we know that 2,000 years ago, God himself was torn into pieces on a cross. What's gonna give you faith to say, I'm not gonna be the one torn into pieces if I trust you, God? Like, I wanna receive this, but this is really hard for me. It's gonna tear me apart. There's no way I'm gonna live through this. It's because the son didn't live through it. The son died. And the gospel was preached to Abraham so that he could step in faith. Did he know everything exactly the way that we do? No. But he knew enough that God was gonna keep his promise. And that's all you need to know. Even when we're faithless, he is faithful. Even when the moments where I have just been bound up in so much fear, curled up in a ball saying, God, how is this gonna happen? I'm scared. He's faithful. He takes faithless people and makes them faithful. He takes people that are bound up in fear and just scared out of their minds, just so anxious, and says, trust me, I've got you. See, that's the God of the Bible. And so some takeaways. How can I know God's call on my life? Number one, simple, receive the call. Say, I need this, God, I need this to be in my life. Source was just receiving the son. What's, what's the faith that Abraham was given? God tells him, you're gonna have a son. And so he held on to the promise of a son. He says, that, that, that's, that's what I'm gonna hold on to. Even to the point where God says, I want you to sacrifice your son. He held on to him that tightly. He says, march up that mountain. I want you to sacrifice the promise, the son. And then God tells him, no, don't sacrifice him. Why? Because there was gonna be a son, God's son, that was sacrificed for us. 
You want to know how to have faith? Hold on to the Son. Hold on to the promise. Hold on to that God is enough. And if you've never received Jesus into your life, step over the line. I plead with you, step over the line. Be baptized into him today. That's where the call starts. Second is this, just part of this call. Receive what he's uniquely placed in your hands. God has gifted you. He's gifted you. And and a part of this church body, like we are all uniquely made and gifted. Not everybody brings the same thing to the table and praise God for that. Praise God for that. Here's the thing, Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship. You wanna know what that means? You are God's masterpiece. There is a master craftsman who has made you and says, I've made you for my purposes in this world. Will you trust me? Will you trust him? Receive the call and receive his plan for your life. Many of us are holding on right now and we say, man, I I see what my path is, I know what it is. And we hold tightly onto our own path instead of holding tightly onto God's promise. Well, this is how it's gonna happen, God. No, he says, I'll give you a promise and I'm not gonna tell you how it's gonna happen. No two stories are the same. You know God's too creative for that. He's telling beautiful stories every day uniquely through people like us. Let's not bind him up and say, oh, well, this is what you can do and this is what you can't do, God. He is way too powerful for that and we can't put him in a test tube and say, this is what you do and this is what you can't do. I've seen that and I've grown more and more in my appreciation for just how big God is and saying, thank you, God. Thank you that you are bigger than my plan. Thank you that you know much more than I do and that your wisdom and power is so much better than mine. Let go of your plan. Receive his plan. And here's the second part. Takeaway two, go and bless. Go and bless. First, it starts with go. This is obedience. This is the get thee out. Get out of the settled state that you're in well, this is all that I'm just so afraid or I can't do this. Like, stop that. He's, He's bigger than that. Let's not minimize him in our lives. He can do it through you. If he's called you to something, you gotta discern. Like, is this your dream or is this, you gotta put it up on the, I heard one preacher say, you gotta put your dreams up on the cross, let them die, three days later, come back to the tomb and you'll see that God's risen something much bigger. You gotta let those dreams die so that God's plan and his promise can work in your life. Because here's what he says, he wants to make you a blessing. You wanna know what your purpose is in this world? Be a blessing. You wanna find what God's placed you here for? It's not for yourself. He says, I will bless you, make your name great, so that, those are two important words, so that you will be a blessing. God's made you to be a blessing. 
See, we are only blessed so that we can bless others. That's it. If there's anything that comes into your life and you say, God, this is from your hand, this is what you've done, it's not for yourself. It's for his glory. It's for sharing and saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? It's not mine. It's yours. What is blessing? It's his grace on our lives. It's an eternity and a future with him. But ultimately, it's God. You and I get God. It's not about his stuff and what he can give us. He says, I want to give you myself. I want to give you the thing that you've been missing your whole life. That's better than anything. That's the biggest blessing of all, is having him. And so what next? Uh, we got a newcomer social today. If you've never stepped over the line, says, man, I, w- I want to do something beyond a Sunday morning. We invite you. It's going to be at my house. Would love to have you there. We're just going to meet, meet one another, talk, and just say, hey, okay, what is this church all about? And come, hang out with us. And so we'll have the address right outside. I would love to have you there if you're, if you're new to Grace City. Second is this. Pray about planting a city group. Pray about planting a city group. Okay, you ask, well, what's next? Like, city groups are there to be a blessing to the city. They're there to be a blessing to the city. Pray, like, pray and say, when you, whenever you plant something, you gotta know that there's gonna be resistance. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be hard. You're gonna have moments where two people show up. You're like, okay, cool. Let's uh, talk. You know, it's gonna be awkward at moments, but that, that's the part of planting. It's like, there was nothing there, so... We're gonna start something. There were moments where there were just a handful of us in here. <laughs> Amen, right? <laughs> but God brought you. And so God wants to do that same thing through you. It's not just us. It's not just about us. It's about him, and so talk to Stacy. Stacy, where you at? Right in the back. Stacy, everybody, look at Stacy. She's waving. Talk to Stacy about that. Equip others. Okay, so in a couple weeks, like I've got three kids. We're doing child dedications. Here's the reason why we do this: because we want to equip you as parents to raise your kids up in the ways of the Lord. We want to equip you and say, hey, we're here for you as a church. And so if you're a parent, talk to Brooke. We're gonna do child dedications here and it's gonna be fun. At the beginning of the service, we're gonna have some of the kids singing. They're practicing right now in the back. So we're gonna have a little performance by the kids. It's gonna be great. And so we wanna equip you as parents, if you're a parent, because it is hard. It is hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done, being a parent. Like I said a couple weeks ago, it's like your heart is outside of your chest and they're just doing their thing. You lose your heart, man, being a parent. But if, if you have never done that publicly and said, God, I want 
to raise my kids to know Jesus. Let's do it. And next Sunday, we've got a family talk. Come. You say, well, I don't know where to start in the Bible. That's great. Let's start next week. 9.15, come here. We'll have directional signs to get you where you need to be. Come, learn. Say, God, I wanna know. I wanna learn. Family talk next week. We will have resources. We wanna equip you well to know Jesus. And uh, we got a family dinner coming up on Monday thir- the 13th. So if you're saying, okay, I wanna learn more about Grace City and, and become a member of Grace City, great. Come Monday the 13th, we're gonna have a dinner and we'll, you'll learn more about that. But here's the gospel reminder. When God calls you, he will never ask more of you than he asked of his own son, Jesus. He will never ask more of you. So your calling, as difficult as it can be at times, will never be more than what he's asked of his son, Jesus. And look at Jesus. He was relational. He became one of us. He was asked to do something far more radical than we ever will. And he was rejected so that you and I could be received. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your grace on our lives. Thank you that we can find our place in you. It's an open invitation right now. God, I pray that if there are people here who've never received Jesus into their life, that they will start there. We want your plan and your power to to reign in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.